Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hey, it's Kincaid and Breckenridge, Monday to Friday, 9.30 to 12.30 on News Talk 770. This is the Highlights podcast, and highlights from today include a a segment where we uh, heard from the Minister of Agriculture, that's O'Neill Carlier, who was on Calgary Today yesterday. So we uh, replayed some of his answers to questions about Bill 6, and then we talked to the Jobs Minister, Lori Sigurdsson, right after that. We also talked about Alberta's distracted driving law. The penalty for that went up recently, but uh, a ticket given to a guy in Beaumont in a drive through lineup has got a lot of people debating whether this legislation is missing the mark. So we got into that issue. Again, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thanks for listening to the show. Back with you tomorrow morning at 930. I'm Roger. That's Rob. Uh, we've been focusing quite a bit on Bill 6 this uh, past couple of days. Obviously a very, very contentious issue as... Um, I don't know, maybe, maybe, uh, see if you can put your finger on the problem here. Is it a big problem because it's an omnibus bill that combines a lot of things that should really be broken apart and dealt with individually? Or is it a big problem because, uh, you've got a bunch of, uh, legislators acting without really talking to the people who are going to be affected by the law? Well, we heard uh, yesterday from from uh, one farmer in particular and uh, her concerns about what this might mean. I think the fact that so much is being thrown at farmers all at once and it's tough for them to sort through all of this and the conflicting statements from ministers about what this means and just that uncertainty. The basic premise that paid farm workers should have the same rights as any other paid worker in Alberta, I don't know that anybody disagrees with that. I think the issue here is what it means for family farms, what it means for volunteers on family farms, neighbors who help out on their neighbors' farms. These kinds of questions that for a lot of rural Albertans speak to the the very essence of that, that farm family farm lifestyle. So the fact that that seems under threat from this government is why so many farmers are motivated to uh, to leave their jobs behind. Their jobs really don't end and, and drive up to Edmonton for a, a protest at the legislature. And I think the fact that he had a thousand of them there yesterday uh, is a big reason why the government has uh, slowed down on this. Premier Rachel Notley. Now, we're just we're trying to get this uh, audio turned around. We'll bring some of it to you. Just holding a conference call with reporters. Rachel Notley's in Paris suggesting that, look, we uh, need to, to correct some of the misinformation on Bill 6. There's going to be an announcement coming soon on Bill 6, but that Bill 6 will still pass, she says. Well, that's interesting. Is she accusing her minister of sp- spreading misinformation? I'm not sure what she means by that. And I think a lot of people have pointed to her minister as someone who has spread some misinformation. I mean, one of those key questions, does this apply to unpaid workers on a farm? The minister's saying that it only applies to, to paid workers, uh, but the legislation itself is saying something else. Okay. Well, you know, we're going to hear uh, from the agriculture minister. Uh, O'Neill Carlier was on with uh, Angela Cocott yesterday on Calgary Today. But first of all, let's set the tone. <laughs> you know, as, as Rob mentioned, you've got a whole bunch of farmers who don't get a day off, who took a day off to go to the legislature and uh, speak their minds uh, from the porch, basically. And inside the legislature... Uh, Brian Jean, the Wild Rose Party leader, let the NDP government have it. Any government that introduces a bill that impacts on the lives of 45,000 Alberta farm families but can't answer detailed questions has got it wrong. Stop. 
Will the minister just admit that she has messed up this issue and will she slow down this bill and actually go back and consult with farmers and ranchers? Now, it's too bad that he, I mean, Brian Jean's correct there. I don't think there's a whole lot of people who think that he's 100% uh, or that he's off the mark here. Um, and, and it's just like with, you know, Trudeau and the refugee pledge, right? Everyone has completely forgiven Justin Trudeau for doing the right thing with refugees, which was slowing down and trying to get it right and put people's concerns at ease. Rachel Notley has the exact same opportunity before her in the NDP caucus. They can just take this bill six and say, you know what? It's only half baked. It's not ready yet. Let's do this. Let's get into the consultation process. Let's talk to everybody. Let's ease everybody's minds. And then we'll vote on it later. We'll, we'll bring it back. It'll be called bill 15. I, well, I wonder if they'll do that or if they're just going to say, look, we're going to do a better job explaining the existing bill. Uh, Rachel Notley uh, telling reporters here just moments ago that government bureaucrats who were talking about Bill 6 uh, displayed, quote, an unfortunate lack of knowledge, which has led to confusion. She says, look, kids will be able to work on the farm as they always have. 4-H groups will be able to operate as they always have. And uh, that that's what they need to convey to Albertans, that these things that, that families are worried about, that you don't have to worry about that. This is about bigger farms, industrial farms, and employee people, and making sure those employees have rights like other employees in Alberta. So that's what Rachel Notley's saying today. I think a lot of critics of Bill 6 out there are saying, well, no, 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 no. That's not what you guys are doing here. That's not what's in this bill. So it's not about your sales pitch. It's about the legislation as it's written. All right. Uh, O'Neill Carley, the agriculture minister on uh, Calgary today with Angela Cocott yesterday. And, and hear this through a farmer's ear. I mean, this is the agriculture minister. See if you're satisfied with any of these responses. What groups did you consult with before even coming up with Bill 6? We, you know, we consulted with a lot of the major stakeholder groups. That would include, you know, the Federation of Alberta Federation of Agriculture, for instance. So we had the opportunity to consult with those. Uh, I think we're, you know, I'll be honest, where I think we missed the boat. We didn't have the opportunity to to consult and talk with uh, with the uh, grassroots farmer, you know, the individual farmer. So we were we're hoping to rectify that, getting opportunity at these town hall meetings to talk to as many individual farmers as, as we possibly can. So. <laughs> I think where we fell short was we didn't get the opportunity to speak to the smaller farmers, the family farmers. Okay. Well, I mean, pardon me for pointing out the obvious, but you were the guys who could have delayed the bill. before. So to say that you didn't get the opportunity, it's that you didn't take the time to. It's, it's as simple as that. If you're admitting now, actually, it's important to talk to all the stakeholders, the big uh, Alberta Federation of Agriculture, as well as the little llama raiser, then they should have done it. I mean, that's a pretty bold admission right there. Well, you know, it's interesting. Someone texts here to say, you know, the sad thing is not one farmer in Alberta voted NDP. I don't know. Yeah, Maybe don't some know did. But saying that they're protesting a Bill 6 will fall on deaf ears. The NDP won seats in the cities. That's true. But to say it's falling on deaf ears it doesn't look that way doesn't look that way. This government seemed hell-bent on getting this legislation passed as quickly as possible. And I think they've now realized that they can't. They can't. And so the only reason I think they're slowing down, maybe even backing down to some degree, is because of these protests. If farmers had just said, well, you know, we'll, we'll see how this goes and maybe we'll, we'll uh, you know, campaign against the government in 2019, it would have been full steam ahead. 
And because there was such a, a vocal reaction, the, the government's backing down. So, you know, the notion that governments are set in their ways and that there's no there's no changing their minds, there's no convincing them otherwise, as you said. Look at Trudeau and the refugees. He backed down. He realized that, look, uh, people are upset about this. Same thing here with Bill 6. The government's realizing, you know, we've we've stepped on a hornet's nest. Uh, we went too far too quickly. And we need to back down a bit. We need to slow down a bit. They're, they're responding to these protests. So they certainly didn't fall on deaf ears. I don't think so. Um, by the way, uh, the NDP did elect some rural um, uh, MLAs, West Yellowhead, uh, Dunvegan, Central Peace, Notley, Peace River, uh, Lesser Slave Lake. So they've got seats outside the cities. Um, and we spoke to one farmer who said they're a little bit more diverse out in the country than just uh, Wild Rose. Um, let's hear more from O'Neill Carlier uh, yesterday. So Bill Six isn't carved in stone yet. It's 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 we've we've I suppose not. There is a lot of details we need to work out. The farming community, as as I think everybody would recognize, is incredibly diverse. Growing cucumbers in a greenhouse in Medicine Hat to a cow calf operation, you couldn't get operations that are that are more more different in, in their scope and their and their makeup. So we need to consult with all those individual peoples as we develop the regulations and the, the occupational health and safety code, which wouldn't which won't be in place till I suspect until early. 2017. Okay, so now we have a situation where the agriculture minister and the premier are not on the same page. They're not singing from the same song sheet at all. Because he's saying, hey, you know, no, it's not set in stone. We still got a whole lot of people we got to talk to. We got to make sure, uh, you know, that we get this thing right. And Rachel Notley says, yeah, this bill's going to pass. She says it's going to pass. She says Bill 6 is going to pass. So maybe the, the suggestion then that it's going to come back as a different bill or separate piece of legislation. Uh, that's not what I'm getting from the premier. So maybe they'll try to sell this better. Maybe they'll spend more, even more money on, on ads uh, on this now and start bragging about this. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what this means. The the, uh, the problem that, that comes up again and again when we talk about this uh, with farmers, the farmers that we've spoken to, they said, look, I got kids that work on the farm, right? They, they drive the, the skid steer or, you know, they're on the tractor. Uh, well, you know, it's calving season and I get my neighbors to come and help me out. How are they covered by this legislation? Or helping out on smaller chores on the farm. You know, the actual small operations, the ones that have or have no hired employees on it, this, this wouldn't apply to them, to them at all. The, the, you know, I recognize how the, you know, the farm is a, is a unique situation. It is a way of life as well as a business, and we want to protect that business and that way of life as well. So um, I, I, I know myself. I grew up. I grew up on a farm to help with the eggs. From, you know, the work in the field, picking rock, whatever it might it might have been. So we don't want to have miss those opportunities for our, our our families, our children on our family farms to miss those opportunities. So those those won't be affected. This what this does is 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 a level of safety protection under legislation for paid farm workers. It doesn't apply to to someone helping out as a volunteer or or for children. Okay, he said it three times there. This bill won't affect those farms at all. I mean, if that was the case, then no one would have been there protesting yesterday. Uh, here's an interesting text. This one says, guys, I'm no NDP supporter, but they've generally been good about consultation on most issues. Not sure about that. I'm not sure what issues he's referring to, but he says, don't slam them for slowing down on this issue. They're actually doing the right thing here. Pains me to say this, but they should be applauded for listening. Uh, th- th- fair enough. Any government that's willing to say, hey, you know what, we, we got it wrong, we've listened, we're going to change, that's fine. I, and-, and we can appreciate that. Uh, you know, the question still needs to be asked of why you didn't do that to begin with mm. and how much listening is really going on here. We, we don't know. 
I mean, if the government's just slowing down because they think it'll be easier to sell it that way and nothing's really going to change, I don't know that they should get that much credit. But if we're actually going to see some changes because they're listening, then yeah, then absolutely they should be applauded for that. All right, uh, one more clip. And a lot of people have been asking about uh, how to write colonies uh, when we come to this discussion. So this is how the agriculture minister handled this question yesterday. With how to write colonies, they could easily say, we don't actually hire anyone, everyone who's on the colony work. So we're not hiring anyone. I'm just curious if that would mean that they could be exempt. You know, that's, that's a really good question. That's something, you know, we have to, we have to consideration. And, you know, I've had an opportunity even today to talk to a Hutterite farmer that was here, here at the ledge. And, you know, I, so I know, I know they're engaged and will continue to engage uh, all farmers, including those on the Hutterite colonies to ensure that the, our ultimate goal is, is the safety. Right, and, and what what do we need to do with with the Hutterite colonies and other farmers to ensure that we do have that safety? Okay, so then there's to no me, answer. There. Yeah, he's saying, oh, I've spoken to a total of one Hutterite farmer in in producing this bill. The way it goes is this: you go collect a whole bunch of information and then you draw a bill that you try to pass into law. They've got the uh, the horse at the opposite end of the cart where it should be. Which is a farm speak for you got the cart before the horse. It seems to me that you should be able to answer the question. If he wants to tell Angela what a great question, question she asked, then that's fine. Butter up a little bit. But <laughs> answer the question. And he couldn't. So the fact that he doesn't know the answer to that question is alarming. The question being that how to write colonies will say, no, we don't actually hire anybody. The colony pitches in. We all do our part. Are those paid workers? Does this apply to them? The, the answer should be obvious. If they've got it figured out and they got a bill that they're ready to pass, then he should be able to give the answer, and he couldn't. And to me, that's very telling. We're going to try it with another minister. This time we'll speak to the Minister of Job Skills, Training, and Labor, Laurie Sigurdsson. When we come back, it's Ken. Welcome back, Kincaid and Breckenridge on Newstalk 770. So as mentioned, uh, the Premier, who's uh, over in Paris, uh, speaking with reporters uh, via a conference call this morning, uh, answering some questions about Bill 6, but saying there's more still to come on this piece of legislation. Let's bring into the conversation Alberta's Jobs Minister, uh, Laurie Sigurdsson, joining us uh, on the line. Minister, thanks for joining us here. Appreciate it. Okay, so the Premier says there's going to be an announcement forthcoming about Bill 6. Can you tell us what that announcement might be? Well, one of the things uh, that we've certainly heard from farmers and ranchers, and uh, uh, certainly they've been very vocal, and, uh, you know, it's a democracy in action. It's really important, and I've been at both of the rallies in front of the legislature and has certainly spoken to the organizer of Fridays, is that they want it to be uh, explicit in the bill itself that um, uh, families on farms are uh, exempted and this is really about paid workers, and we assured them that that would be clear in the regulations. But they want us to add that to this bill and put it up front. And so we've been listening, and so we're looking at um, uh, creating an, uh, some amendments to ensure that so that it is explicit. How, how will you define family farm as an exemption? Well, we're working on the legislation right now, the legislative amendments, and we're talking about, uh, you know, family members on farms. Because this bill is about safety. It's really about making sure paid workers on farms are, uh, have protections like others uh, do in every other industry in Alberta and across Canada. Yeah, th- I don't think that that's a difficult concept for people to grasp in all of this that there's a big difference between me if i drive out of the city to go to a farm where i have a job there and i get paid an hourly wage i'm a paid worker on that farm but if i go to my uncle's farm that's uh, just outside of airdrie and uh you know i help him out uh bring in the harvest or something like that 
um, what, how am I classified? Well, if someone is helping out, they're a volunteer and a neighbor, like a family member, like you described, then um, we were always going to have that in the regulations, which would come after passage of the bill. But we've been told very clearly we want that in the bill. So that's what this amendment is going to be about. Okay, because it says pretty clearly on the government's own website that under the proposed legislation, the regulations would apply when an employer engages the services of a worker regardless of whether or not the worker is paid. For example, neighbors who volunteer their help and regardless of the worker's age. So it sounds like it goes well beyond just paid workers. Well, that's why we're putting in this amendment is because we want to make sure that neighbors can still help neighbors Family members can work on farms, and uh, we, uh, we're, we were going to put that in the regulations, but we're going to make that complete in the bill with the amendments coming forward. But why, why, wasn't, why wasn't it in there to begin with? I mean, your government tabled a piece of legislation that you were prepared to pass that had that in it. Now you're saying we need to go back after the fact and, and change it. I just want you to know that our intention was absolutely to make sure that, you know, family farms are viable in Alberta and working with them. And we very much uh, want to make sure that that continues. And so I just want to, as the minister, take responsibility. That's not, that wasn't our intention. This bill is about safety. This bill is about, uh, you know, Kevin Chandler, who was killed in a farm accident. He was a paid worker. His wife uh, was left uh, with three young children and she needed to support them. She, there was no insurance. She had to sue the farmer. The farmer lost his farm. This kind of situation we won't, don't want ever to happen in Alberta again. It was just a lose across the board. It's really about safety and making sure when something does happen that uh, people are properly compensated. Okay, it sounds to me then that, uh, you know, we're starting to hear a bit of consistency of message that this has been a procedural uh, error uh, from the get-go. Do you, do you agree with that? There's been some things I would like to have changed, but, uh, you know, we are, that's what is important for us to to listen to the people who are impacted. And certainly, I just want to give kudos to the farming and ranching sector, because I think, like you said at the outset, they want the same thing as us. They want to make sure people are safe on their farms, and that's what we want as a government. So we're going to do some further uh, diligence on this, create these amendments, certainly speaking with uh, farmers and ranchers in that process, and, you know, our consultations are going on throughout the week, so uh, we very much want to make this right and make sure that we're understanding. Okay, consultations are going on throughout the week. Don't you think it's important, though, to maybe take this one off the stove uh, for the time being and, and uh, maybe bring it back at a future date? Well, we uh, feel that the safety piece I think we can all agree on, and now that we're creating this amendment, I think we can agree on that too. And so we're continuing to listen to them, and uh, I think that this is still a very significant piece of legislation that protects farm workers and that they don't receive those same protections uh, as other workers in Alberta or any other province in Canada. So I think that the, you know, the key uh, importance of this bill is still pretty significant and, and we're going forward with it. Okay, now maybe you can uh, address this question perhaps in the, the amendment speaks to it because the, the agriculture minister was on our, our station yesterday, was asked about how to write colonies and whether they're considered paid workers because they argue they don't actually hire anybody, everybody in the colony uh, pitches in and helps out. So are they under this legislation considered to be paid farm workers? 
um, you know, that's a detail that I need to go back to my ministry on and find out. But certainly, you know, there was just a recent death on a Hutterite farm. We certainly want to make sure that those uh, workplaces are safe also. So, I mean, I think that that's really uh, an important question. And uh, Okay, well, but, okay. If, they're, but yeah. if they're not considered paid workers, how would you do that? Well, I think, as I said, I, I do need to look into that more. But we, I mean, there's a, a large number of people on those farms, and we want to make sure that they're safe. They're certainly uh, working, uh, you know, providing. Maybe they don't get uh, an income, but maybe they get in-kind services. I, that, that, those are good questions, and I'll uh, certainly look into that and get back to you. You have some trouble in that example, though, because you're talking about a 10-year-old boy who was killed on a Hutterite farm. So if that's a business, then, then do they fall under child labor laws? Well, it's true. There, there's been, you know, we've had, I think, five deaths on, with farm children. But what we're trying to do with this bill is also create a culture of safety on farms so that people are uh, bringing this into consideration and that they're making sure that they're thinking about these things. And because, you know, occupational health and safety officers haven't been able to be uh, have access to farms when fatalities or serious injuries happen. Uh, there's a thing we can do to prevent these kind of things. So we absolutely want to be able to have access so that uh, we can help, you know, work with the industry, work with farmers to uh, help them look at ways they can mitigate these kind of okay. you know, very tragic situations. Um, how much of this bill, uh, I mean, you, you keep harping on safety, and, and I certainly understand that's at the heart of this, but how much of this bill, uh, Six, is uh, about uh, having consistent labor laws um, across all industry in Alberta? Because many farmers bring up the point that uh, during calving season, it's not a 9-to-5 operation. Mm-hmm. No, exactly, and so that's why it's so important for us to you know, be working on with farmers in these consultations because there's not a one-size-fits-all. You're right, you know, calving seasons happen between 9 to 5 or not in the weekend, and, and we have to make all those, uh, take all those things into consideration. So it's not uh, just because there's uh, policies in construction or whatever that just is put on uh, the farming and ranching sector. It's going to be unique. Okay. Well, given the, the, the need then to go back and revisit some of this bill, the need to have those consultations, what can you tell us about the timeline? Because the Premier says that Bill 6 is still going to pass. So when is it going to pass? Well, I mean, we're in legislative session now, so uh, we're hoping to pass it uh, during this session. And uh, certainly the regulations, uh, which which talk about a lot of the details, like you just explained about, um, you know, uh, what were the hours of work, vacation pay, that kind of stuff, that will be developed, uh, you know, over time. Like 2017 isn't actually until all the regulations are complete. So we still have a significant amount of time to listen and understand uh, the unique uh, aspects of the farming and ranching sector. All right. Minister, I do appreciate you making some time for us here today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. All right. Okay. There you go. That was Jobs Minister Lori Sigurdsson. Going to pass it in this session, so... There's only some days left in this session. We're going to get it by uh, the end yeah. of the year, right? Look, I mean, good honor, I guess, for being willing to admit mistakes and say that they would have done things differently. Um... But a lot of that was just kind of jaw-dropping, that what they don't know about this bill is is pretty shocking. It's between the jobs minister and the ag minister to not be able to answer some pretty obvious questions. Mm-hmm. When this bill is before the legislature, it's not as though they're still drafting this. I mean, this has been tabled. This is uh, past first reading. I mean, wow. it's That's quite something. 
All right, last half hour of the show, Daniel Smith going to take it over at uh, 10.30. She'll grab the reins, and she'll drive this hayride. 10.30? Yeah, what did I say? Yeah, 10.30 uh, Hawaii time. (laughs) Did did he say 10.30, Tim? Am I just crazy? Tim says, confirms Uh, it. Okay. Yeah. All right, I'll take the training wheels off one of these days and do it for real. (laughs) I thought maybe I misheard you. (laughs) That's uh, that's about twelve thirty. No, no, well, you think that's funny here? Wait, Danielle's running down the hall, thinking she's two hours late for her show. Oh my goodness! Uh, She'll be on at twelve thirty. Thank you very much, and we'll get you to there. We're going to talk about this uh, situation that developed at Tim Hortons drive-through in Beaumont, Alberta, the bustling metropolis, where uh, a young man was waiting for, I guess, presumably a cliche double double, when he felt a a rap on the glass in the presence of a police officer saying, "You cannot do that, sir." Yeah, Beaumont. I remember, you know, because growing up in Edmonton, sometimes you'd go through Beaumont for some reason. They have the stop signs in, in both languages. There's a uh, you know, francophone element to that community. It's just in about 10 minutes, 5 or 10 minutes south of Edmonton, you just go out on 50th Street, just keep going, it becomes a highway something, and then you end up in Beaumont. Uh, so there's a Tim Hortons in Beaumont, as you mentioned. And uh, so this story has gone national. The Toronto Star has this story today uh, about uh, this guy, A.J. Doust is his name, uh, was in the lineup at the Tim Hortons drive-thru. Checked a text on his phone and got a knock on the window from a police officer. AJ Dow usually knows what to expect in this Beaumont Tim Hortons drive through Place an order, pay, and pick up. Earlier this week, something he did not see coming. I was just sitting there. I got a text and I replied to it. After texting, Dow says a police officer knocked on his window, asked him to pull over, and gave him a $287 ticket for distracted driving. I just asked him, like, in a in a drive-thru, really? The legislation prohibits the use of a phone on any thoroughfare, public or private, that the public is ordinarily entitled to use for the passage of vehicles. The experts say there are several other common scenarios where people are surprised to get distracted driving tickets. When you're in a traffic jam on the white mud and you pull out your cell phone. There's the classic that we see all the time, which is at the red light, and people will sometimes pull out their cell phones. That's considered a distraction. Ultimately, distracted driving tickets are up to the discretion of the officer. Uh, see, now, that's the part where I think <laughs> that this law needs to be examined here, that it is up to the discretion of the officer, uh, but we have an officer who used this dis- his discretion to issue the ticket in this Yeah, instance. I don't get why it should be. Now, here's the other thing. Now, according to this version that's in the um, the Toronto Star today, acting corporal Kevin Kosh, Kelvin Kosh of the Beaumont RCMP, uh, claimed that, for one thing, the vehicle was in motion while he was in the drive-thru. I mean, people don't actually put their vehicle in park, but presumably then he could have been creeping up from the speaker to the window. Uh, so they said his vehicle was in, in motion, but here's the other thing. Kosh said the driver was also rude when approached by the officer. He was extremely disrespectful and showed a poor attitude toward the officer. Now, why are they mentioning this? Did he get a ticket because he was rude? Yeah. Well, that's what well, the contention is, Well, then write him a ticket is, right? for being rude. I mean, the ticket is for distracted driving. So that even if, if that's the reason, if the cop was going to let him go and thought he was being rude and wrote him a ticket anyway, I, I got a big problem with that, too. Mm-hmm. If you want to write up someone for being rude, then find the statute that applies to being rude and give them a ticket for that. Well, the, the problem is, though, Rob, is it goes the other way, too, right? Like, I've gotten out of tickets before by being very respectful and polite to the officer and saying, ah, you know, I looked down when I saw you. I didn't realize I was going that fast. My apologies. So, I mean, <laughs> that's the world I want to live in. <laughs> I suppose. But, again, so it's a $287 ticket. It used to be 172 It's gone up to 287 
according to the new government, there was a plan previously to introduce demerits. They say they're still committed to that. Uh, so that's coming at some point. So if we're going to increase the fine, we're going to p- give people demerits. Are these are the circumstances we want to impose that, especially if the the impetus for the ticket is not the offense, but the politeness or lack thereof on the part of the motorist. You're going to get demerits because you were rude to a cop. Here's here's a couple of problems that I have with this, and, and then we're going to get to your phone calls, Stephen uh, and Dan, 974-8255, if you want to uh, come in behind them and grab a phone line. But first of all, when I'm, uh, let's say I'm speeding down the highway, right, and the cop pulls me over, he doesn't run up alongside my vehicle in the traffic lane and tap on the glass. That would be very, very unsafe, a very unsafe practice, right? Yeah. So I, I feel that if this distracted driving infraction is so perilous to others on the roadway with him, that the cop should probably be spoken to about his occupational uh, safety when he's entering such a hazardous situation, walking up and tapping on the glass like that. I mean, light him up. You know, you're behind him in the Tim Hortons line. Give him the, the cherries and, and the siren and pull him over. But, I mean, to put yourself in harm's way by going into a very dangerous situation alongside a vehicle that has a, a known distracted driver in it, I don't think any Albertan asks our law enforcement officers to uh, to do that. And And I will say this. If it is illegal to text from the drive-thru at Tim Hortons, then I would like to introduce you to the obviously more dangerous activity of driving past a window and receiving an order of hot food from someone inside. Sounds dangerous. It is frighteningly dangerous. Consider that for so a second. So you're behind the wheel of your vehicle. Yeah. You're rolling down your window. You're sticking your hand, your arm, out the window. Which is stunting, by the way. To reach and grab a, a this, well, a Tim Hortons, a hot, hot beverage. Uh-huh. They, and this is allowed? This is allowed. Not only My that, goodness. but we are putting young minimum wage employees at risk in harm's way by allowing this practice to continue. And Rob, don't drink that because you'll spit it out if, when I tell you that it's not just happening at Tim Hortons. It's happening at McDonald's and Wendy's, too. <laughs> You're right. I almost did. <laughs> Okay, so is this the kind of thing? Now, look, you can go to the legislation. It was uh, Bill 16 is what it was called originally when this was brought in. It's pretty clear that uh, a highway is defined as many things, including a parking lot. In fact, by the way, while we're on the topic of what constitutes driving on a highway, being pulled over on a provincial highway constitutes driving on a highway. Do you remember we asked the MLA when he was talking about the bill? Yeah, he didn't Mo even Amory. know that, Mo Amory. So unless you're, you, I mean, if your car's broken down on the side of the road and you're calling for assistance, that's fine. But if you decide, oh, you know, my, my girlfriend's calling, I'm going to pull over and we'll have a nice romantic chat, that's distracted driving. And so is being on your phone in the drive through at Tim Hortons. I think Stephen thinks uh, that this guy deserved the ticket. Go ahead, Stephen. Yeah, I mean, I don't know this cop, but I have a feeling that uh, I'm, I'm all for this kid getting the ticket because this cop, is probably trying to modify human behavior in a sense because we've all been at that light where it should take six cars to, to go through, but only three get through because some morons on his on his cell phone, um, and 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 that drives me crazy. So this guy wasn't but, at a red light; he was in a Tim Hortons drive. Doesn't matter. I'm just saying that that uh, put the phone in the glove box when you're driving a car. I don't care where it is. Um, that that. This idea that you, you that, that, that you hear your phone go off or you get a text, you got you got to answer it right away. That's just silly. Just like I've got kids that they, they bury their face in their cell phones 
holiday. We can't even go out for dinner. Yeah, but look, I've, I've gone to pick up dinner for my family. I've done this myself where, okay, I'm, I'm picking up dinner for everybody. I I knew you. Go to the restaurant. I'm in the drive-thru, and I'm looking at the list. I'm trying to remember what was said. And so while I'm waiting for my turn to get to the speaker, I'll text my wife. Was What was that I'm getting? Was it a large? What, what did he didn't want cheese, wanted <laughs> onions? What, what was it? So I'll text my wife to clarify what it is I'm buying. Okay, got it. Place the order. No. I, I, no. I, I don't think that's distracted driving. To me, that, that's, that's not what we're trying to stop. You're operating a motor vehicle. That's, that's the thing. And, and, okay, uh, but why is it not distracted driving then when I'm, I'm talking to the speaker or when I'm receiving my food from the window? Yeah, if you got it in park. No, you don't. You're telling, you, well, <laughs> you drive up to the window, you put it in park, and you and you talk to the person. Uh, I'm just saying. Look, I'm just saying. You that, think people put it in park? You think that should be a ticket if they don't? I'm just saying that uh, oh. you don't you don't always have to be on your phone. Put okay, it away. but but, but hey, but Stephen, if I, if I'm in park, if I'm in the drive-through, and I'm in park, and I'm on my phone, doesn't matter. That's still distracted driving. Hey, it's still a law, and and the cop has the right. Yeah, to do and it. it's and a stupid he's, law. He's also seen many situations where <laughs> traffic is being slowed down because people are on their phones at the traffic lights or wherever. I don't care where it is. Well, I don't care where it is either. This is the specifics of the circumstance. Just because this guy is on a crusade to improve society doesn't speak to the specifics of the circumstance. Yeah, well, that's that's how I feel. I think that cool. people are just uh, got their faces in their phone too long, and uh, maybe this will. This will maybe, help. maybe. Right. Thanks for the call, Stephen. I, I think. Steve was talking to a bigger social ill, but I'll tell you what, in that story, Rob, that you told, that harrowing story, uh, I'm surprised that neither you or Steve recognized that the great danger there is not the texting your wife to pick up the order. It's the not even looking out your windshield when you're on a highway. You're looking out the driver's side window at a picture of a clown and a list of hamburgers. Can you imagine if we all did that while we were on the highway, which can be defined as a parking lot and a drive through lane? <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, someone texted to say, by putting the car in park, you're no longer operating the vehicle, which is technically true. But again, it doesn't mitigate the ticket. So I, my whole point is, okay, if we're going to go down this road, we're going to say distracted driving is awful. Like Steve said, people are causing problems. I think we need to modify the law a bit here, because if we're going to give people demerits, if you're pulled over on the side of the road, your vehicle's in park, you're not driving your vehicle, you really deserve to get demerits for that, if you're answering a phone call, I, I think we need to tweak the law before we make the penalties even stiffer. Yeah, not to mention that, I mean, if you're a doctor, like a neurosurgeon, your phone calls are pretty important, I would argue. So if you kind of went to the judge and you said, well, look, I'm a neurosurgeon, the judge might say, oh, okay, well, the law is different for people, uh, certain people in this uh, society. Hi, Dan, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing great, guys. How are you? Yeah, good. Awesome. Hey, um, what really do you... I found strange until I heard you guys describe the actual law was that they can patrol private property for traffic infractions. Like, like if I own a, if I own a warehouse, I can't sit out front of my warehouse and text on the phone. Well, no, but I mean, take for example, like uh, you know, the Walmart where I go. There's uh, there's a stop sign. Depending where you're going in and and turning to park. It's technically in the Walmart parking lot, but there's a, a stop sign. So people going a certain way have to stop at the stop sign. If you ran that stop sign, the cops could give you a ticket just because but it's Walmart's that, is, parking lot. You'd is still that Walmart putting up the stop sign? Like if I put up a stop sign in my in my warehouse parking lot, does that mean that now the police Well yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. Come there and, I don't know, but uh, now, now I'm wondering if somebody's got their R V parked at the Walmart as you do 
and it's a winter's night, so maybe you crank that thing up and you're idling it watching TV. You're not going anywhere. I wonder if they can uh, knock on your window and slap you with a $287 fine for distracted driving. Probably. I, I heard of a, uh-huh. uh, I knew a guy who got a drunk driving ticket. He was sleeping in the back seat of his car because he was too drunk to drive, but yeah. because he had the keys in his pocket. He got yeah, I know. I've, I've heard of those, and it, you know, that's the thing. So someone who's drunk is actually making a smart decision to not drive, the kind of thing we want people to do, and we're punishing them anyway. So I've, I've heard those stories, too. It's pretty it's pretty frustrating. I get that you don't know. Maybe that guy's going to decide, ah, heck with it, I'll drive anyway. But he didn't. He hadn't. Let's take a break right here, and uh, we'll continue taking phone calls from people who are not in their cars at all anywhere when we continue. It's Kincaid and Breckenridge on News Talk 770. All right, Kincaid and Breckenridge, News Talk 770. Uh, from the Transportation, Alberta Transportation website, and this was when they brought this law in and uh, frequently asked questions. Does this law apply to all roadways in the province? Uh, the Traffic Safety Act uses the term highway to refer to any urban or rural street, road, parking lot, or alley where the public is normally permitted to drive, including adjacent sidewalks and ditches. So parking lot is specifically included here. So that's what we're talking about in the context of this uh, Tim Hortons drive through the fact that it's uh, a parking lot, somewhere where the public is permitted to drive. Let's go back to the phones here and uh, talk to John. Hi, John. Thanks for the phone call. Hi there. Yeah, go ahead, John. Uh- I think this is an over-jealous uh, cop. Um, I think it's ridiculous. Like, uh, what is he doing sitting in a Tim Hortons parking lot handing out tickets? Uh, he might have just happened to be there and just happened to see it. Yeah, I don't think it was a sting. Yeah, but I don't know. It could have been a, a sting. We don't know. I mean, they they yeah. do this. Our, okay, our former well, producer, Stacy got one of those tickets uh, at a red light because the Police were, were sort of hiding in the bushes well, yeah, let, the me, intersection. Let, me, let me correct well, myself. They probably weren't stinging the Tim the Hortons. I, I mean, I'm a retired truck driver. And uh, being in a big truck and looking down, and you can see all kinds of things going on in the vehicle. And the texting thing really irritates me. I bet it does, the John. Thing yeah. is, the thing is, you can Google it. You can get things to block use of a cell phone inside of a vehicle. And the only time they can use a cell phone is if the ignition is turned off. Okay. Well, that's one example. I don't know if I would uh, be terribly appreciative of uh, of uh, my government uh, implementing a no cell phones period in cars rule. Well, that's the, yeah, that's the thing. So what if I'm in the vehicle, in the passenger seat, and my wife's driving, and I want to I wanna phone Roger? That would be verboten Say, in John's help. Hey, I'm, uh, I'm in the passenger seat. My wife's driving. How about that? <laughs> what about uh, what about this uh, that a texter pointed out? That if texting, uh, if you can't do key entries on a cell phone from that position, why is it okay to punch in your PIN code on a <laughs> on like an Interact pad? Yeah, or the drive-throughs they have at the bank. Yeah, Some exactly. banks have those. Very dangerous. Yeah. Uh, Dave uh, says he can clear up the private property debate we're talking about here. Go ahead, Dave. Well, hey, uh, thanks, guys. Um, uh, I was just thinking a little bit about the law that was read, and I had an officer explain to me uh, one time exactly that uh, that uh, underscored the law, I think, uh, that Rob uh, just uh, alluded to. And essentially what he said is we have jurisdiction over any roadway that's connected to a public uh, a public road. So the same sort of thing that you were saying, com- coming off an alley or a parking lot or anything like that. I have to... Um, just changing uh, gears there a little bit, I almost got hit in a crosswalk one time really? where, um, again, a, a young 
driver uh, didn't see me, and as she went by, uh, she was down looking at her phone down where the gear shift lever was, and I was uh, I, I had a whole new appreciation for the debate after that. Yeah, there's there's no doubt about it, Dave. That that any sort of distraction on the road is is uh, is an issue for a lot of people. Mind you, I nearly got hit in a Costco parking lot last week um, by a lady who wasn't on the phone. Well, look at so. it this way: if if I was drunk and I was at the Costco in the parking lot, I'd still be impaired driving. If I were drunk and I was in the lineup at Tim Hortons in my vehicle, that's still drunk driving. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's understandable why some laws do need to apply to those circumstances. It's just, does it make sense for this? Because when you're drunk, you're drunk. When you're on your phone, you're only on your phone for that 10 seconds. You're on it, then you're done. You can hang up. You can really hang up on being drunk. You're drunk until you sober up. That's that's such a good quote. You can't hang up on being drunk. Rob Breckenridge. Uh, we'll, we'll end it with that today. Uh, thanks so much for listening to the program. Daniel Smith is in after the news tonight. I almost did it again. <laughs> After 1230, this is Kincaid and Breckenridge on News Talk 770.